This is Angie Fiedler Sutton. And Jen Morris. And you're listening to episode 13 of Stage Savvy. With us today is actor, writer, teacher, and artistic director of the Barn Players, and our spotlight for Casey Stage. Way back in June of 2007, which seems like only yesterday, must have been further than that. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. And I'm happy to be here. That was I got rhythm, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Yeah, I heard it in there somewhere. So we're here to talk, kind of do the same kind of things we always do. Talk about uh, why you do what you do and what your various duties include, and with uh, both the barn players and as a teacher and and actor and writer as well. So uh, let's start with the uh, one that will probably take the longest for you to answer is just kind of give us a little bit of uh, how you got to where you are now in terms of your artistic career. You know, I have the oddest background but I think that most actors say that they have an odd background I have no formal training in theater I actually didn't start acting until I was a senior in college and I was playing in the pit orchestra for a musical and one of my friends who was on stage says you need to audition for the Pirates of Penzance so I did and then ended up doing shows like you can't take it with you and doing five years of summer stock at Emporia State University and Basically, through experience, I sort of educated myself in theater, and eventually, after five years of teaching elementary school, I ended up in Olathe as a theater teacher, wondering how I got there. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned. I I had the passion to learn about theater from all angles and to be as diverse as possible, and that's sort of how I ended up here. But I'm basically educated through the experience of working as a teacher and an actor and a director. I really don't have any formal training, which seems very odd. <laughs> Where specifically are you uh, teaching at? You said I teach, Olathe, obviously. Yeah, I teach at Frontier Trail Middle School in Olathe, and I also uh, work with Olathe Northwest High School. Frontier Trail is just down the road from where I live now currently. Yes. I've been there 20, this is my 21st year. Wow. Wow. So your teaching yeah. career is now old enough to drink. It is true. <laughs> it is true. That's excellent. Well, and... We have a lot of guests that come on and talk about their background and everything, and I think it's really important to talk about the educational piece. We actually met, it's kind of an odd story, but through my ex-husband, mm-hmm. who was who was greatly influenced as you as a teacher. And he, you know, a big part of who he is today is because of what you introduced in his life. Um, Which frightens it, me a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I think it, it frightens him a little bit, maybe actually. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But, and that was something that we both related with, is that I had teachers, like particularly my middle school theater teacher, influenced a big part of who I am today. What do you see as a middle school theater teacher? What, what is your goal when you have these students? I know a lot of your former students, whether they're artistically involved or not, are now patrons, are now supporters, mm-hmm. and now that... Um, Is that kind of a goal that you have when you introduce theater to the It's a little bit of everything. I mean, I think in middle school it really starts out for me as a place where kids belong. I mean, a place where they can feel like they belong. And then depending on the student, it can take a different track. And I know in high school it's even more specified than that. Whether it's just I'm doing this as a hobby or I love to perform, I'm going to be a professional, or I want to be a patron of the arts, I'm just helping out. You know, there, there are a lot of different tracks that you take, and it, it begins for me in middle school, and I think that we're lucky in Olathe that we have a full middle school program. It's not just shows 
that we do after school that some random teacher is putting on, like, you know, some other districts. It's actually, I am the theater director of Frontier Trail Middle School. We do three to four shows a year. We have theater classes throughout the day. I teach stagecraft. I teach theater. You know, I teach communications. And all nine middle schools have that in Olathe, and I think Olathe is very smart and lucky to have both of those things because schools don't typically have the money or the resources to do that. So I'm able to help give them a place to belong, first of all. And I think that's important in middle school because that's really where kids are finding their identity, you know. And I'm so happy that so many of them choose theater to be what they identify with. Yeah, I definitely can relate to the uh, lucky because my hometown uh, only had a real theater program in high school. In middle school, it was just the occasional Christmas pageant or after school stuff and um, thankfully I did have a high school teacher that greatly influenced me and made me want to continue on Um, but especially in like you said in today's economic climate with uh, everybody wanting to cut cut funding for the various arts programs and just cut funding overall for education what do you think I mean do you think that's going I've noticed that that might be one of the bigger issues of this Mm -hmm. is now an election year of that of this year's election is the the funding for the arts and the funding for schools and that kind of thing where do you see that going in this upcoming, I mean? I think it depends on the school district, honestly. I can only speak from the perspective of working in Olathe because they've had many, many years, you know, they've had many, many years of supporting the arts in Olathe, and throughout several administrations that have run that district, they have continually supported the arts, and I've never felt like the arts were at risk in Olathe. Even through this, you know, certainly the last couple of years have been uh, the worst economic times for school districts, and yet Olathe still says we're doing this. We're not cutting these programs. These are important to us. And I think that uh, particularly the Olathe School District and their patrons should be really grateful for that because too many school districts do. And, And I do think most of the Johnson County school districts are continually supportive of their arts programs. So it does help that Johnson County is a more affluent county educationally, you Mm -hmm. know, but that's an important part of the whole process is where's the money going to come from and how are you going to earmark it? Unfortunately, most of the school districts around here think that the arts are important. And I think that has a lot to do with being around Kansas City. Kansas City has a huge, strong arts community, professional community, uh, academic, and I think that makes a difference as well. And branching off of that, you mentioned the keyword community. You are a very strong influence in, in the arts community here, particularly looking at the barn, but a lot of the Olathe organizations. Tell me a little bit about how you reach out to these community programs and where you're involved. I started out when I moved up in, uh, to Kansas City uh, in 91, but I didn't actually do a show till 93, and it was at Olathe Community Theater. And so I've been involved in the community theater around Kansas City for nearly 20 years, mostly as an actor, but the last few years I've branched off and, and started directing more. And I'm actually coaching as well, mostly high school students who are getting ready for their college auditions. So it's really exciting to sort of have my hands in all these different areas. And I just think the community theater scene around Kansas City is so incredibly strong uh, on on one side, it, it gets frustrating because there's so much competition trying to get people to come do your shows. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, it feeds a really strong arts community in Kansas City and does nothing but help most of the equity theaters uh, around Kansas City to stay strong. 
Now, we've had uh, Heidi Van and Art Suskin both on um, who are artistic directors of their own organizations. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before that every organization is different in terms of what each role does. So as your role as the artistic director of the Barn Players, what would you say that entails uh, specifically to that organization? One of the great things about the Barn is that when we did find our new location in Mission, Beatty Pettigrew came on board as the artistic director. She's still currently a very vocal theater advocate at Johnson County Community College as well as the the director of theater there. And she thought that community theater could be more than it was. Particularly the barn players had been nomadic for 15, 16, 17 years and had been reduced to doing two or three shows a year out of various high schools. Once the barn got its own space, Beatty started thinking bigger and she started doing more experimental pieces more difficult pieces, musicals and plays that people hadn't seen before and that you wouldn't think would fit on that little stage we have. And it just, you know, through her tenure there, the barn became a much stronger force in community theater. When I came on board, basically what I did as an artistic director is I took what she started and I just sort of organized it. And I feel like my biggest job as an artistic director is keeping things organized, kind of keeping the machine rolling, getting that volunteer database But the second thing is, with a good show selection committee, is to choose a season that balances everything. And what I mean by that is you have to have shows that people want to come see, you have to have shows that actors want to act in, you have to have shows that uh, directors want to direct, and you have to have a balance between those shows that are going to be crowd-pleasers and those that are going to be challenging and unexpected. Mm -hmm. And I think from that standpoint, we've built a much stronger theater in the last few years by doing that and it's one of the things I'm most proud of where the barn is concerned that we've been able to build seasons where actors come in and directors come in and technicians come in and they want to be a part of our organization and the greatest thing that I've been hearing lately from actors is I feel like the barn is home I feel like I'm coming home when I work at the barn and that makes me feel really good because that means that we're not just doing things professionally and we're doing things well, but we're, we still have that community feel mm-hmm. about what we're doing. And that's exciting. And you're doing it because you want to do it. Exactly. Which is a, we've talked before as a vital, vital part of community theater because you're not getting paid. It's the I mean, passion. So if you're not doing yeah. it, doing something that you enjoy, it kind of grates on you. Absolutely. And, and I am one of those people as well. I'm a big barn supporter. I feel very strongly that the barns are doing it right. And I, I, one thing that I really enjoy about going to the barn is there is a steady stream of patrons that are regulars, that are diehards, that are right. ready to go there. And, you know, we talked earlier about economic times. We talked about funding cuts and talked about all this. The barn seems to be sustaining through everything. Um, and I think that that's a good example to other community theaters that may be not holding on to that as well of just what you're talking about, doing a good balance there, mm-hmm. making community theater professional quality, even though it's a community Right. Base. Um, And it's challenging. It is challenging economically to do that because uh, particularly the fact that we produce four musicals and two plays, the musicals are much more expensive. You know, just from the standpoint of having to pay for the royalties and the rights to them, they just become much more expensive. And to speak to what you talked about, you know, in terms of professionalism, one of the things that really made me feel great about what we're doing at the barn is we reinstituted our Barney Awards this year. 
and I, I didn't have a whole lot to do with resurrecting them, but one of the things that I really encouraged them to do was to make it a celebration, even though there was, you know, the, the awards were going to be competitive, but to make it a celebration. One of the great things that they were able to do was forge an alliance with John Renzenhaus and Darren Sextro, and through uh, John's connections, he was able to bring in eight or ten judges who were all equity performers in the area, and they actually judged uh, all of the shows. They came to see all of the shows. And one of the things that they continually commented on was the professionalism of the shows, how surprised they were at the quality of the shows. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, I think, speaks to what we're able to do there, and it makes me very happy that we're putting that quality out there and that professionalism and that that it's being recognized by the equity performers in the area. Because community theater, obviously the word community sometimes has that little stigma to it. Yeah, yeah. You know. And we've all been that. You get waiting for you get waiting for <laughs> Guffman in your head. You know Well let's talk a little bit about you specifically and what you have coming up. I, I know that we were talking a little bit prior to coming in here. You've got a lineup coming up. Where might someone find you? Well, let me talk about the barn first, since okay. that's my yeah, the, the overall thing. We just opened How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which will be over, I think, by the time the podcast hits. So that's our opening show of the season. Then Guy Gardner just cast uh, the production of Xanadu, which we're excited about. So there'll be yeah. roller skating on our stage, which I'm pretty sure we have insurance coverage. <laughs> I need to check on that. Um, <laughs> the plays this summer are exciting. We're doing Craig Lucas's Prelude to a Kiss, followed by Parallel Lives, which I really love, uh, Mo Gaffney and Kathy DeJimmies. It was a two-person play, but Tiffany Garrison-Schweigert is going to direct, and I think she's going to expand that cast. Awesome. So I'm excited about that. We have two sessions of The Barn Kids this year, 101 Dalmatians Kids, so it's just going to be adorable. We just decided on our benefit in August, and it's going to be one weekend, and it's going to be called Revolution, a Tribute to the Beatles, directed nice. by Eric Van Horn. By the way, Darren Sextro is directing Prelude to a Kiss. In the fall, I'll be directing Blood Brothers by Willie Russell, which is a long-running London musical. And then the Kansas City premiere of Candor and Ebb's musical Curtains, directed by Kip Simmons and musical direction by Martha Risser. And then our 6x10 festival, our fifth annual 10-minute play festival at the end of the year. So it just it keeps going. And we're already talking about 2013. We start meeting right. next week about 2013. I was going to say, you, you guys tend to be uh, one of those people that Casey Stage, I know, really loves because we're, we're you ambitious. know your stuff way in advance. We're ambitious, so. too. I, I keep wondering how far we can go with the shows that we put on our stage, how big they're going to get. And it worries me a little bit, but I, I'm always excited about the challenge. So... As for myself, I will be in the benefit concert of Titanic, the musical, playing Thomas Andrews, who was the ship's architect, and that's for Leewood Stage Company, and it's one weekend only, April 13th, 14th, and 15th. After that, I will be in the three-weekend benefit concert for Olathe Community Theater. And right now, that's all I have on my schedule for performing. But it's going to be quick because basically, like in nine, ten weeks, I'm doing two different shows. They're very short rehearsal schedules. So that's going to be challenging. The big question, do you ah. sleep? I do sleep. <laughs> I do. Between seven and eight hours a night, I'm telling you, I am, I'm, I'm religious about getting my sleep because I'm... I, I, Less than six, and you don't want to be around me. But I just, it <laughs> you seems really like, don't. I mean, with everything that's going on in your life, it does seem like you, you've got something going on constantly. Do you feel, what do you do to kind of flush your system to make sure you're not burnt out? 
I, you know, theater feeds my system because I do love what I do. I have a passion for what I do so much that that's what feeds me. But, you know, I have a studio in my house where I just sit in my basement and relax and watch old movies or listen to music or work in my iTunes and or, you know, surf the net or whatever. And that's how I kind of relax. I would say that's the world's most awesome man cave. <laughs> I have to step in there and say it is the coolest man cave ever. It's I, not just a little studio. It's awesome. I love it. I do love it. It's got everything I need. <laughs> the world were to end, as long as I had electricity, I'd be fine. <laughs> but that, that is what feeds me. And I, I've done it long enough. I somehow, and maybe it's teaching that's done it, but I've worked in theater and education for over 25 years and I think that as I get older I learn more and more shortcuts. I was telling that to someone the other day. I said I learn more shortcuts and you learn how to delegate a lot. You learn how to balance your time and and still have time for the people that you love and still have time to sleep and even though I have lots and lots of projects going on I don't ever feel like I'm so stressed out that I need to like remove myself and go off the grid for a week or something. However, having said that, I'm going to New York over spring break, so... <laughs> oh, but that, that's research. <laughs> that's research. Uh, well, a- anything else that you want to tell us, some final thoughts, some advice you might have, maybe for... I was going to say, that's the next thing I was going to ask. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, we always try and ask uh, the, the people who are doing this kind of thing is, you know, what do you tell your students, or what do you, you know, if you could talk to yourself when you were just starting out you know, advice in terms of getting involved in theater, getting involved in music, getting involved in the performing arts specifically in terms of what would they take away? You know, if it's going to be your profession, one thing I tell all of my high school kids who come in that I coach is diversify, diversify, diversify. If you want to make it in the business and that's going to be your business, you have to A, treat it as a business, but you also have to know that you're not just going to school to become an actor on a stage. It is the rare bird that will go out there and spend their entire life on stage and make a good living at it. It happens, but it's rare. You have to be prepared to be an actor on stage, do television, do film, do industrials, do voiceovers, be a director, you know, be a technician. You have to diversify. Learn as much as you can about everything about the business as you can because you never know when you're going to need it to keep you going. You know, And that's... That's, at least in terms of being a professional in theater, that's what you have to do. And I guess that's sort of what I do. But I diversify because I love it. I I love knowing a little bit about everything that's going on and taking on that that task. I really enjoy it. And then final question. Um, In 30 seconds, minute or so, uh, or less, (laughs) why do you do it? What's the main reason why you have this passion? I get lots of attention. No. (laughs) No, no, you do. You do. You get a lot of attention for it. But one of the things that I think is great about theater is that people have written it off for decades. They keep going, oh, theater's dying. Theater's dying, theater's dying, theater's dying. And here we still are. And we're charging $155 for a Broadway musical. And it's economically sound. And it's making money. And, and beyond that, it does feed your soul. For every fluffy little show out there like Xanadu, you have a prelude to a kiss. And that's what's great about theater. Uh, The other thing that's great about theater is that everybody has an opinion about it. And they're passionate about that opinion. For every person who adores Phantom of the Opera, there's, you know, just as many people out there who go, that is so overrated, you know? (laughs) And I think that's the diversity of subjects that theater can tackle and the things that we can do beyond just entertaining. But sometimes entertaining is still the best thing that you can do for yourself. 
you know. And that's why I love theater. That's why I love the passion about it. And plus the attention. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and wrap things up. We'll be right back. This is Carol Cariotis from The Writer's Place. Find your writing tribe at The Writer's Place. Stay informed about our events at www.writersplace.org. And you're listening to Stage Savvy. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of Stage Savvy, hosted by Angie Feeler-Sutton and Jen Morris. We hope you enjoyed it and would love to hear your feedback. You can send us comments in several ways. You can comment on the blog posting for this podcast over at angiefsutton.wordpress.com, which is also where you'll find the show notes for this podcast, including any links to items we may have brought up today, including the Barn Players and Eric's own website. You can also email A. Fiedler, that's A, F as in food, I-E, D as in dog, L-E-R, at caseystage.com. Or if you'd like your comment to be on the podcast, you can leave us a voicemail at 816-23-STAGE. Please indicate you're calling about the podcast, as this is the regular phone number for Casey Stage Magazine. We'd like to thank KKFI FM 90.1 for letting us record this podcast in their lovely studios, as well as Jason Bauer, who wrote the great theme music, a variation of I Got Rhythm. Thanks also to Carol Kariotis with The Writer's Place for that bumper, and of course, special thanks to Eric Magnus for talking with us today. Since this is an audio podcast, we'd like to end each one with a song, usually written and or performed by a local musician. If you're a musician and would like us to highlight something you've written, just send us a note, again, either by email, afeedler at kcstage.com, or by calling 816-23-STAGE and mentioning the podcast. This month is a song by David Lee King. I actually used to work with David when I was at the Kansas City Public Library, and he is currently the Digital Branch and Service Manager at the Topeka and Shawnee County Public Library. His blog, which will be linked in the show notes, is a great resource for marketing with Web 2.0 and other related topics, even if you don't work in a library. He's got the perfect tone of friendliness while still getting the message across and is a great reflection of his personality. He writes, quote, I love playing music and writing songs, and this song he sent me is a fun little ditty about the writing process itself. So here's Editing Myself by David Lee King.
Language Savvy is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. For more information, visit creativecommons.org.